0: This is Foodter Radio. At the end of 2015, Fooditor Radio gathered a group to talk the state of the food scene. Now we're one quarter of the way through 2016, on the verge of some big openings. and it's time to do it again. We met at North Center's new pocket cocktail bar, the Victor Bar. Make sure you hear all these Food at a Radio podcasts by subscribing to Airwaves Full of Bacon at iTunes or Stitcher.
1: Let's go around uh, who we have today. We we do not have Anthony Todd. Important legal business has kept Anthony Todd away, but he may burst in at any moment, just when things seem darkest. In the meantime, we're stuck with Joe Campagna, uh, Chicago food snob and... uh, occasional food eater contributor we have sarah freeman so welcome to being our first eater guest thank we, you it's an honor <laughs> and then <laughs> and then we have uh, uh a civilian a non-food media civilian but a someone bon who vivant. a bon vivant who eats out a lot and also happens to be the landlord of the victor and that's royal lichter hi who rhymes with the bar was that on purpose or that just happened magically? No, that just kind of
2: happened magically. Okay, and then I laughed about it.
1: All right, well, uh, we're gonna. This is gonna be a show entirely devoted to mac and cheese today.
3: <laughs> and oh, Jesus. Sorry, I gotta go, guys. <laughs> uh,
1: now we'll leave. We'll leave that one to uh, other publications. Um, we're just gonna talk about the. The year so far, I feel like uh, we've been on the verge of some really big openings, and we haven't had really big openings. We've had smaller openings, and uh, tonight maybe is the first first big one because Duck, Duck, Goat is opening. Uh, Sarah did Sorry. a thing on that, so tell us about Duck Deco. Yeah. Who's, this, who's this chef that, uh, that they have? There? She's new, right? Uh, yeah. The
3: Stephanie the, the Izzard Izard. I still don't know. It's been a long time coming, and she ended up rolling out a big, beautiful Chinese restaurant. Um, I haven't been in yet, I'm actually going tomorrow, but the photos look great, the menu looks good. So and you've
1: just seen photos at Eater, well, what good are you about that? <laughs> um no but you talked to her we've talked
3: to i've talked to her a couple times um this has been a big project for her two years in the making they went over to china for a couple weeks they went to taiwan they're trying to translate these travels into a restaurant um you know it's very different for her we're used to seeing her doing very american foods, and she's got her diner and she's got the restaurant that made her famous um so it's a bit of a departure and i'm curious to see how it is and i don't know we were talking the other night it's how many restaurants that book up six months in advance can one chef
1: It is, it's a weird thing She's, you know, to people not in Chicago She's got to be the most famous chef in Chicago Thanks to Top Chef or something I mean, we would, here we would say You know, Bayless, Ackett, whoever But I feel like she's
4: I think she speaks to a younger crowd though And she speaks to the TV generation And that kind of, she kind of crosses across a little bit of everybody The old school people remember Rick when he opened Topolabumbo The, the really end of their mind, you know, foodies with the budget go to Wallenia, but Steph's kind of encapsulated all of that. She, she gets everybody to come and do it, and I agree with you, sir. I think it's going to be an interesting risk for her in that she's doing food that
5: it doesn't associate with her at all. It's a,
4: it's a complete departure, and it's not easy.
1: Or is, is it going to be like pork belly kimchi, soup dumplings, and things like that?
3: It's a little bit of both from the menu that I saw. She and she's admitted that it's part of it is going to be these super traditional dishes that she was experiencing when she was in Beijing and Shanghai. But she also grew up on Chinese takeout food, so she's got you know crab ragoon and. Lemain and these dishes that are admittedly not authentic at all, but still delicious. And she's gonna put her own spin on it. She's making like fried rice with butter. Um,
1: so you have a choice now. It's not just a four-hour wait for an Oshabal burger. Now you, it's a four-hour wait for soup dumplings
4: as well. Uh, it's just the land of wait over there. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of just, you just go. You put your name and just walk around.
1: I'm putting my name in for December 2017.
3: So. You know it's funny though, because we've had a couple of Asian restaurants open in the past few months, and none of them get the attention they deserve. Like I just had um, JJ's Thai in my neighborhood, and those places are serving actual, authentic, like the closest thing you're gonna get than booking a plane trip to Thailand. You know? so, you can Walk in there, and there's never gonna be a wait.
0: Right.
1: Yeah, no, that's actually, uh, there's kind of a little Thai boom. I mean, I felt for a long time, you know, way back when on LTH Farm, we sort of discovered a canon of Thai restaurants that were really strong, and then it was the same ones for the next 10 years. And suddenly there, there is a real choice. JJ's, which I haven't been to yet, M. Rice and Beyond, which I wrote about, um, on, which I didn't write about, but I've been to and is really good. Maybe the best of them. Uh, yeah,
3: and then, really nice, what's that? Bang Chop, the new awesome. Okay.
1: Um, I went to another one. I think it was called Tom Yum in Lakeview. It was all right. Sula wrote about it. I didn't love it, but I mean, still being like the top twenty-five percent anyway. Um, so yeah, we kind of have this this Thai boom something, which is nice because it didn't seem like for a long time. I I can't remember the best a good Thai restaurant that opened recently before those. Let me
4: ask you this. Can somebody win a food show and have notoriety that she did or did she win it at the right time? Like was it a timing thing? Because now if you win those shows like maybe in Atlanta it's a big deal but if somebody won it here I don't know if it would be
1: She was
3: also the first woman, right? True. Was it season two? I think it was four,
1: four but it was yeah, it was that moment when Top Chef really took off.
4: Right. First and, woman, big city.
1: And it's right around the time that we all, you know, my whole family, we'd sit down and watch it. And then after about three years, we were sort of tired of, you know, the, the game was always the same. You could sort of tell how they were setting it up in the editing room after a certain point. I feel like
3: she also kind of hit at a moment when food... Chef celebrities were definitely happening and were a big part of the culture, but they weren't cooking. You couldn't go to Alton Brown's restaurant. You couldn't go to J.D. Oliver's restaurant. She was a like, TV celebrity chef, but also still cooking and running restaurants. Which is
1: absolutely true. I mean, you go into Little Goat and even odds so will see her back behind
4: the counter. Her yeah, work just, I mean chefs work hard. Her work ethic for those two restaurants, the level she keeps them is is stunning.
5: Yeah.
1: Yeah, she's definitely not the celebrity drop-in-once-a-quarter-to-see-how-it's-doing restaurant.
4: We do have a few of those in town. Yeah. From guys who were on Top Chef. (laughs) Selling mediocrity. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway.
1: Um, All right, so Duck, Duck, Out, one big opening. Uh, The other ones are kind of in the future... Uh, the Shields what, Can you ever keep trying it? It's, the it's Smith, Smith and the Loyalist Alias Smith and Jones Smith and the Loyalist Loyalist? Yeah, Smith okay. and the Loyalist I know something about those does not stick with me it Feels it, like a better newspaper By the way, that's
2: Smith with a Y yeah.
5: Is that
3: better than what How do yeah. you pronounce uh, Anna
2: David Posey's? It's good. <laughs> It has like three
1: umlauts and two vowels With <laughs> slashes through it Um all right. So what else? Uh, Oreo, is actually open.
3: Oreo is open. And you wrote
1: about that I wrote too. About
3: that one as I well. have someone
1: writing about it for me, but I don't know anything because yeah. he hasn't turned it in yet. So, uh, so tell me about Oreo because <laughs> I know nothing.
3: I know so much. Um, I actually, the first time when I started working on that story, they were like, "All right, we're you're going to email, you're going to interview the team." They want you to meet them at Timberlands at noon on Tuesday. Okay?
5: So apparently they all go
3: bowling together all the time. They invited me bowling, and that was sort of... They are so committed to this team dynamic and how close they are as friends and lovers and husbands and wives and girlfriends. Um, It's a new HBO show. It could be. Um, It's really interesting to see how that translates to a pseudo new wave fine dining restaurant. Um, They're all so chill and silly to be around, but Noah's food has always been very beautiful and sophisticated. Sure, they're vending for Michelin stars.
4: Yeah, what's the price point there?
2: It's so 175 bucks for the tasting menu. Is that with or without wine? That's without wine. I think there's two wine pairings. I think one is like 95 or 100, and the other is 125. So I mean, they've opened up with. They have the expectations. He has the pedigree,
4: and they have the pedigree. But that's not a that's not a subtle ticket. No. I mean, I like the confidence in it, but.
1: Well, yeah. well, but you know who else opened at that same price point is uh, Band of Bohemia. Their um, tasting menu
2: thing is I think yes. is like one fifty or one sixty. One sixty-five. I think it's eight to ten courses, ten seats yeah. at the bar.
3: So, what is the right price point if you want to be a oh, I youthful fine dining restaurant a fine dining restaurant that appeals to a a wider audience that doesn't want to be you know doted upon that wants to have fun but still wants that high level of execution How, how much should you be paying for
5: something like that
4: for me i think you've got to have the price works that you can stay in business i don't think you want to discount it early i like that they're doing it but I think it also, and since I like that they've raised the bar and they've set an expectation. So I don't know if there's an easy number. I would rather it be higher rather than lower so they can keep doing it. But
5: I mean, we'll right. have to really, jack it up later. Doesn't yeah, like I went anybody. to make a reservation
4: on Open Table. It's like you need to put your credit card in and all this. I'm like, all right, now we're at a hoop. And I haven't done it yet, and I will, but. Um, but no, I don't know if there's a right number. I think if, you, if they're going to execute and go for that level, of two-star Michelin,
5: um,
4: then I, you know, that's in line with what it should be.
3: And one thing that I think Noah and Jeannie was talking about, they tried to pack as much value into that. You're still going to see your ingredients that you want to see when you're eating at a high-end restaurant. You're going to see your caviar. You're going to see your... Come on from Spain, you're gonna see all these very gourmet things that are presented in a way that's, yeah, that's my like least favorite word ever is approachable but
4: I'll say this, instead of at that price, I wanna be able to go in and eat at the pace that I eat at versus going in at a time at 7 and walking out at the same time as the 7.45 because they group us. Yeah, that annoys me because there are groups that will do this and because they're either understaffed or not very good at the tasting menu the whole restaurant is you know, doing the same two courses at the same time that'll drive me nuts because then your normal 2.5 to 3 hour dinner if you're slow becomes 3.5 and, and then I'm I'm more annoyed at that than at the price point in the you know, food.
1: But I would have said at one time that, you know, yeah. for the, the younger Hippocrat, you would have needed to be, I don't know, 75, 95, and I think that was true, let like, say, two years ago. And we just flew through that, and 150, 175...
3: No, so I would say a special occasion meal, 125 like maybe? 175 for someone, at least from my age... I'm not doing that. Yeah, um, <laughs> is it?
4: And it's just one minute. There's not like a six and an eight. It's just this and then is at what it's one time, experience.
3: You are so close, and this is something I thought of when I was writing the article. You are so close to that grace price point right, right. there. Yeah. For the extra fifty dollars, like ah, like do you do you just go, say all right, you know, F it, I'm gonna
2: grace. See, I, I agree with that. Grace is what two. 25 or 235 now when they first opened they were 185 and they were clearly going for something really really high when they first opened i think that they were priced well but for a place like for a place like oreo i've been to quite a few of the restaurants around town and and i know noah's food rather well but i never had it but intimately familiar with the menus and what they were doing at Senza. I'm kind of skeptical personally to spend 175 bucks on a on a brand new restaurant I agree with your price point Sarah of a buck 25 or either that or offer two experiences you know sort of a bridge you know menu for 75 to 95 like Mike said and, you know just just to check it out maybe some of your classics or greatest hits or whatever and uh, but <clears throat> if they can pull it off um,
5: well
1: and that's so, the question you know. then if they. If they can fill what is it, like forty seats?
4: Yeah.
2: Oh, like, it's 30, small.
4: 30, they can fill thirty to forty at that price.
5: No, they can.
4: but I it's, think that, that's okay. You can always add, you can right. never take away.
5: Because
4: yeah. if they go below one seventy five, then you know, then there's talk of other things. Right.
1: All right, so those are the places that just opened. Uh, let's talk about what else. What else is good that's open since the first of the year? We ended the year. You know, everybody's excited about Monteverdi. I don't know what else.
5: We're not going to talk about
3: the bar down the street that opened oh. finally after okay.
1: that's true. all
3: that anticipation and build up, and now we get to yeah. drink all the cider we want.
1: Oh yeah. Then. Okay. <laughs> At first, you said the bar down the street, and I thought, say the sixth, which also took forever to open.
3: That also is <laughs> but, uh, other directions we can talk about either. Though. But
1: uh, I don't know. It seems wrong in, in the Victor to talk about the sixth. Tell me what's the big deal about the Moon besides the fact that they finally opened? Yeah,
3: it was so hard writing about that place not to jump on the. We've had to wait so long, and right. now it's finally happening. Lead every single time. Um, I think it actually should be a lesson now restaurants that are opening to maybe hold off on the date until...
4: Just don't, don't announce a date. Though.
3: Well, I mean, then We have the
1: perfect example of that. You, unless you're solid and you know.
3: It helps
5: the writers have an idea, like a month, a season, anything. It's all about a general timeline,
3: but not until you're pretty sure that you can hit yeah. them. And then maybe once you know that, add to it.
5: Well,
1: you know, we had the perfect example of just opening with no advance at all in Money Gun and then uh, St. Louis Assembly uh, on uh, Lake Street, and uh, Bruce Finkelman actually came up to me when I walked into St. Louis. He said it was just like to have any sort of ability to open in a relaxed way at all. Even recognizing that, you know, your first Yelp comment is going to be posted 18 minutes after you open. But still, to be able to just say we can have a few practice days when it's not too hectic. But I don't know. Then they create their own hype. Everybody has to go, you know, everybody's headline is, what's this money gun place? Is it like a place where alcohol is served to people? And But I think it's
4: easier when you're at Lake Street and what's the cross street? Displays. Cross say, Street is the
5: highway.
4: Union. Union. So it's Union Lake Street, but there is a large amount of people there. So to open there, kind of on the sly, and and not announce it, you're gonna have a foot traffic that is not Lincoln Square, North yeah. Center, wherever the hell we are right now, because if nobody's walking around in this weather.
3: You know to, to see it,
4: so you kind of have to promote that to some also extent. Have to
3: think about the talent that went into that place. You've got right Jared Whitworth, oh, Justin oh, Anderson,
5: oh. Dustin. I still don't know how to pronounce your last name, but i try. And
3: William Duncan. Like between those guys it doesn't really matter how they open people are going to follow them and see what they're up to right i can't tell you how many times i saw justin at the bar in the past six months i was like no you're up to something (laughs) when are you going to tell me well then they have
1: like four things that work all at once anyway so yeah all right, so, I, uh, so in, in a rare example of me actually going to something when it just opened, I, I happened to see um, St. Louis uh, Southern painting the billboard on the side of it, actually. So I went over there for lunch, and it was interesting. First of all, they, they really did take over an old cafeteria-style place and didn't dress it up that much. So it's got to be, I mean, if you thought... Uh, Doves had captured sort of the scuzzy 70s this will give you real flashbacks it's you know, a little real... cleaner man-
4: version of Manny's yeah
3: <laughs> yeah they or... actually talked about Manny's is when I interviewed Bruce yeah as like an inspiration
1: then you've got like the vegetables so like Warp Farm and Carrots and Beets is one of your three sides and I'm sorry that should come out of a Big Van Camp can don't you think in this kind of place it should but but you, So what did you have when you went? I had fried chicken, which was very authentic to cafeteria line chicken, which is not entirely a compliment. Okay. But, but the vegetables are fantastic. Honestly, if I was on some ridiculous diet that had me, you know, not eating a normal amount of meat, and I was just had to go eat vegetables, I would go have vegetables there because the vegetables were all, like, Perfect farm vegetables and really nicely done and all that. So go have your vegetable and threes at this place and it's probably about as good a place for that as there is in the loop at the moment, or just out of the loop.
3: Money gun next door is one of my new favorite. I did not bars start right drinking now, it, like, theirs at that time. So it's special. They they wanted to capture this quote unquote, it is just a bar. Something a little less um, little fussed around with. Something a little less, um, you know, conceptualized. Less and, precious. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the same thing with St. Louis. They didn't alter the space that much, except for clean it up a little bit, darken the walls, put in this nice like mirrored wall where they write all of the classic. On it, and they have this beautiful curved bar that just makes the whole space feel like everyone's kind of in the same group. Like everyone's hanging out and having a good time, and the drinks are simple. You don't have to think about it. You're like, oh yeah, I want a Manhattan or a daiquiri, which is a really good atmosphere. actually
0: had heard of the names of the drinks before. <laughs> <Yeah>. Wow.
3: <laughs> um, so that place doing
1: really well. They already have a light on the door. Uh, I think like five out of seven nights a week right now. So what else is open? Let's just go around. I went to to Imperial Lamia, Uh
4: which is in the old Sai kitchen. Bit of a theme park size. But the small dim shum bites were, were solid. I mean, there wasn't anything that was bad. There was definitely some good bites, and it's Catering to a tourist crowd, I think, with the location, um, but I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. I mean, it's definitely a place I would go to again. Uh, Bohemia House. Oh, am I doing it? Is that on? Uh, that's,
5: that's uh, old. Last year. That's right, so went, old.
4: New to me. Uh, Dose Urban. Yeah. <laughs> Has anybody been? I've been once.
3: <laughs> yeah. I love it. Dude, I love it. I went three times. I
4: want to love it,
3: but I think
4: I think they're getting their feet under their themselves when it comes to service. Because each time it was slow to get courses or checks. The the highlights are definitely the shrimp taquitos, the tamal. If the, was that two to three times it was great. The third time it was like there was so much liquid it felt like a soup. So I'm like torn. And then the desserts, I'm not going to give you an A-plus for a chocolate cake, and it's just not my style, obviously. It's good, but I think if you got a room of people and had that, and not, no offense, portillo's, yeah. it's going to be a fight.
3: <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I agree. I, I loved the smaller plates we got, some of the bigger ones were a little confusing as they have uh, there's like a mushroom dish with yeah. cornbread and mole and each of the elements were really wonderful and the mole was super rich but it didn't make any sense with mushroom soup and cornbread.
4: Uh-huh. I wanted bolder flavors but I didn't I feel like for a lot of the dishes that never came through and the goat the goat dish with the nudi, literally somewhere along the line it got burnt. So I'm sitting there and it's like you're eating it and I'm looking at people and they're like, what is that? I'm like, it's burnt.
5: like, no, there's
4: something about it. I'm like, it's fucking burnt. Like, it's
5: it's like
4: ash in it or something? No, it just had that acrid burnt flavor. And you're just like, so for me, it's, I, I, I want them to be better. I've been there enough. I will go again. But I also think they were done a disservice by Phil by saying the best restaurant opening since Topolo it's just unfair and it's dumb and yeah I will say this as a group I want everybody to commit when Rick Bayless opens his West Loop place he has said there will be no gas hookups I find that extremely hard to believe so
1: what's what's
4: he gonna cook on? everything's gonna be wood Wood fired fired?
3: okay Hot Rocks
1: from next
3: El Chagor is gonna be similar that's what I was going to talk about. Yeah, um. He will have one gas burner in the bath prep That's kitchen. fine.
4: That counts um, as a gas hookup.
3: The, but in the in the restaurant, the ten foot hearth is all open flame.
4: That that, Fire. that like that. That's awesome. Like, don't be serving the new me thing. a stock in telling me you're building it like a goddamn settler. Yeah. They <laughs> all out <of> a log <laughs> and it's then, then like they put the hot log. rocks in the log. <laughs> it's the same thing where you're like, everything's fresh and nothing frozen. I'll take the fries and the ice cream. Shut up. There's the, just... Yeah. We'll see. I'm excited for it. I think tacos is
1: going to be... Burning. Yep. Yeah. burning
2: um, and you know I went to the, Chef's oh, working with natural fire it's crazy it's crazy and they're also going to have a not? deep fryer there I think that's the first deep fryer in any Grand Atkins restaurant in yeah. the yeah, universe so that should be pretty interesting
3: this, uh, uh, Honey's never, will also be an open heart restaurant oh wow there we go <laughs> <laughs>
4: We all have to know what the, you know, yeah, it's just learning what hearth is.
5: I just imagine, like, this pilgrim, like, this
4: pilgrim, like, person over, like, a big pot of yeah, on a winter day. Yeah. But it won't be that. It'll be a $50,000 hearth. <laughs> but it'll be a hearth.
1: Well, I mean, you've been to Promontory, so I just went this weekend. I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, they got a great big
4: fire going back you there. You get the j Grill. I mean, and everybody, you're doing a disservice if you don't cook correctly on that thing. Yeah.
1: But everybody, you know, I mean, I've never seen so many Hyde Parkers in one place. You know, everybody seems to love that. So you, know, you open a good restaurant
4: with a big fire going. Everybody wants to come. see a show. They love yeah. Benihana. Oh,
1: yeah. But,
3: though, but the other thing, and this is something the uh, the guys Make honey has brought up, is this, everyone's tired of the molecular gra- gastronomy, yes. their food so, being over-manipulated. Yeah. Like, it's, let me show you that I can cook with meat and fire like a man. <laughs> <laughs> can
5: I felt that during can some tasting. Can you still baste
4: the fish with the copious amounts of butter and garlic <laughs> and herb?
5: <laughs> like, I'm all right with that.
4: Like, this isn't season 52. You can still cook with fat.
1: I, uh, you know, I felt that way during a few tasting menus where it's just like, enough with the precious, perfectly sous vide thing. Bring me something that's got some grill marks on it. You know, it's got a
5: little burnt taste on it. Cabosa.
3: Yeah, <laughs> Andy brought that up too. He's like, we're not serving pretty food. It's going to be ugly and have char marks on it, and no two dishes are going to ever look the same because awesome. they
5: can't. They shouldn't.
2: So, did we talk about all your your fire oriented huh? places? I was going to talk about Al Chi. Uh, okay. sounds like a pretty. I think the cool thing about a place like that is that <clears throat> you can take like maybe your in-laws or friends from college or whatever that are kind of not into food and wine and don't follow the eater articles and stuff and it's like yeah let's let's go to this let's go to this steak place and uh, this you know this Argentine grill and I don't know where it's actually at but I think that's a pretty neat aspect to that restaurant. I'm Certainly excited to. Uh, is skew the, the choices that, uh, that I have to put up with when I'm going out with my in-laws or, or <laughs> family friends or whatever. I, uh, you know.
4: I would just like to say with all the development in the West Loop, if there's any way to invest in a parking garage, I'm uh, in. Even if it's just so I can get free parking, I'm in. Yeah, no, and
1: it's a real problem. There's, I, mean, I'm a, I mean, I kind of do know where you park, there but it's the wild parts that you know civilization hasn't come to yet over by unfinished dot com buildings and things like
3: that. There's a bigger problem with all this restaurant development that when I was at the uh Fermento's Battle of the Balls uh, <laughs> really just tell like the story so I could save malls. The Battle
4: like, of the malls. Balls. Such an, yeah. It's almost like, it like an ACG <laughs> system, <you know? laughs>
3: the Battle of the Balls. And we're talking about all the restaurants opening, and one of the restaurants that was there, and they've been open for two years, which
5: is not that long. And it's like, I don't I don't know how we're
3: going to do it. I don't know how we're going to compete with 100 restaurants that are going to open this year. It's like, just not enough. Right, and it
1: it goes to the hot ones, and they do great, and it doesn't go to the others. You can see that just walking down Randolph. You know, people are outside growing the goat and Oshawa, and then it you know it, it gets really easy to walk into the big places after that.
3: Duck Duck Goat is booked. It's not open yet. Well it's open as a yeah, Do you, you think it's a it,
4: do you think it's a factor of marketing or do you think it's a factor of quality of food? Well I tell you Well how can it be a
3: factor of quality in, food if she hasn't seen yes,
4: any food exactly. yet? Of her tracker. No, I'll give you that, but I'll say this. Bar Siena is over there. The food is awful. It's it, booked every night. It's booked every night. So it's definitely I think a factor of marketing. It's a celebrity Is there a day a year? It doesn't matter. I agree, but it's like for me, and, and I'll have this argument with them all day. And if they want to have the argument, I'll tell them to go taste their ice cream first because it's not gelato. But it's not the people are going in there. It's not for that. So I think the person that you talk to, I would say it's it's definitely a struggle. And I agree with you. I think it's going to be interesting, but I think it's going to be hard with marketing and, and the angle that they have. The
1: other thing though about Duck Duck Goat not being or being booked till June. Is it you know, Girl in the Goat doesn't put all their times on, on Open Table.
3: Oh, no, So,
1: you know, that's why you always see 5.30 and 9.30s on Open Table if you go looking for it. So, I don't know. I, I think um, I'd be surprised if they're really booked for all their prime times. For, they're not. But, and they are
3: accepting walk-ins. But still, just to, to go on Open Table when I was working on that article the other day and... Actually, like, if I'm a regular, everyday diner that doesn't right. work in the food media and I wanted to go check out this
5: restaurant, what am I looking at? What, you know? Uh, and that's a huge hurdle. Just,
3: what, I can't get a reservation for three months? Yeah. But doesn't that make you just want
2: to go more?
5: Yeah,
3: unfortunately. Yeah. I think some you. people
2: it makes them want to go more, but some people it makes them say... Screw that! I'd rather just go to the corner and get a cheeseburger. <laughs> I know, speaking personally, I've been to Girl and the Goat maybe three or four times, and sort of a once a year thing. And I've kind of given up on going to that place. And I'd like to think that I know restaurants pretty well, but it, I won't go to Duck Duck Goat unless somebody invites me, or unless unless I happen to be over in the area and see that the a seat at the bar is empty. Yet eight o'clock on a Tuesday. It's just it's kinda discouraging.
1: But you have next tickets at the same time as you're saying. Yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs) I think to a certain extent the more restaurants the more traffic you get. But there's bound to be losers out of that. And unfortunately we saw one in Dutch Harcuterie that I always thought was busy, but you never know what somebody's margins are behind busyness. And it just I don't know, for whatever reason, was it a little too meaty, porky, and Uh, funny parts or what?
5: It was in a weird
3: spot. Yeah. It it
2: was was... kind of in a dead spot that was waiting for things to fill in around it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of on the end of the bell curve as far as Randolph goes. I think not really somebody, not really that far down. You're not just going to wander down there unless you know about it. And the word charcuterie scares people. They don't want to eat pig face.
1: Although, I will say, Anytime I went there on, like, a busy weekend night, not only was it full, but it was full with women. A lot of parties of, like, four women, apparently enabling each other in eating big face, where they might not necessarily wanted to do that in front of a guy on a date. <laughs> so... Yeah, I was there for
3: lunch <laughs> with a, a couple ladies right before it closed. We so did the same thing. You get the nice, big, like, charcuterie board, and you're like... Lunch lunch over.
4: But do you think they're getting the, the everyday diner? The person who's like, hey, let's go into enough, the city, so let's
2: try somewhere can't new. Can't touch charcuterie. No, I don't want, you know. I, I don't think, know. think that they were. The times that I was in there, it was a lot of familiar faces behind the bar as well as kind of sitting down. I think it was more of an industry and super foodie kind food of place. And never really felt like it was sort of, it hadn't really reached the Twitter sphere, the Facebook sphere, the Yelp sphere, like I don't know that it really expanded beyond sort of super foodies and in industry. Another head scratcher was um, Bombaya bomb or
5: bombola. I know.
1: Which was in the news today <laughs> is officially closing. I didn't quite understand that, and that it's been closed for three
2: months. I thought they closed like New Year's Eve or something like that
3: they were looking for like a Hail Mary investor that would reopen that so did they open and
4: just not have the working collateral I don't know
3: because they've got got pops of champagne
4: and they were busy or at least they got pressed so they had the word of mouth but it could be one of those where you open and you're not getting the number that you need and then all of a sudden it becomes extremely hard. And then you know, kind of going back to that Oriole question, what's the price? you got to charge enough so you can stay open. Oh.
5: Yeah, well, they, I, think I the, mean, they were a
3: huge industry spot, too. Yeah. Um, they were an industry favorite, but the layout, I, I can't imagine that they were turning like, tables that frequently. Uh, that was the thing. It
1: was a hangout for a long time, nursing a vermouth slowly. With a quarter of, like, almonds.
3: Yeah, right. Like, pork fried almonds.
1: Plus the menu, tragedy of menu design, that it had a backside, and I didn't discover it the first time I went there it, And I extrapolate from my experience that everyone had that problem. That's a bad server.
4: It was funny.
1: I I was there with one of my sons, so I'm, like, desperately looking for what can we eat. And, you know, we order a whole freaking cheese just because it's something that's not Marcona Almas. Meanwhile, there's, like, all this food on the back. But the menu just didn't look like it, so...
4: So there you go, restaurant 101, yeah. tell your servers to let people know where everything is on the menu. <laughs> it Both sides of the page.
5: It was just
1: designed in a way that did not say there's more on the other side, you know, in some weird way. Separate
5: your food from everything Right. Yeah.
3: This is a conversation we're probably going to be having a lot this year. Yeah chefs cooking Asian food do you have to put a spin on it? In order to pull it off, or do you have to be traditional, authentic, respecting the culture that you are inspired by? And we're um, having a
1: real authenticity moment on social media. I feel. Yeah, yeah. there was somebody. It was funny. There were some guys, some some guys bashing on Rick Bayless for supposedly not showing respect to Mexico. Yeah.
4: That dude is in Oaxaca.
1: Yeah, and, and it was well,
4: correctly. Well,
1: and it's. It was just funny to me because he's like, I'd love to have that discussion with you. And I'm just thinking, you said that the same way Batman says, I'd love to meet you in an alley, you know? he's like, he's totally going to take take those guys down. Because, I mean, who has who trained and mentored more, you know, Mexican cooks from being the assistant bottle washer to being guys
2: who open their own restaurants than Bayless? So I think one of my favorite chefs, and he's not a Chicago chef, but he's worked in Chicago... Uh, In terms of the whole authenticity thing, more in relation to Mexican food is Alex Stupak in New York. People give him a really hard time for what he does, and um, I'm not Mexican. I don't profess to know Mexican food ultra well, but... His food is fantastic, and the the the, uh, the particular menu item that gets a lot of flack that he gets a lot of flack for is the cheeseburger a taco. I've had it; it's fr- it, it's fantastic. And I'll say this: over. nobody
4: in the industry gives him flack. That's
2: that's true, because everybody in the industry
4: is envious because he can do better than them on the savory and the sweet side than they yeah. can.
2: But I agree. Well, his food's fantastic, and he's got, like, a little bit of both. I think he's got just, hey, I'm not going to screw with this, you know, really good Al Pastor taco, and he's got stuff like the cheeseburger taco, and I think he's a talented chef, and I think he's a perfect example of what Mike's talking about in terms of our conversation about authenticity in social media. I mean, there are definitely people who disrespect other
1: kinds of food, but, you know they open places in Cancun for the tourists and do it. I mean, you you don't have to, you know, you don't only only see that in Chicago. Restaurants are going to be one of those things.
4: People are going to come and if they like it, they'll come back and they'll say positive things. But if you don't execute on your vision and deliver every night, every dish, then eventually you're going to pay for it whether it's authentic or not. Like the carnitas at Dos urban. I have an expectation of what carnitas are, and that, granted, is a, their own riff on it, but it's not something where I'm like, I can't wait to go back, yet when somebody does a chicken parm in their own way, I'm not offended as an Italian, if it's good, if it's good. I, I, I want to see the cuisine progressing. When I mean, you look at Massimo Bottura, and he's doing Italian food in a completely fucked up way, and it's not traditional, and doing. You know, so I think if you're going to do it, do it well. Be true to who, you're, who you are and just, you know, hopefully people will appreciate it and get it. If they don't, then
5: you
4: know, it sucks to be you,
5: but Yeah, I have a hard time it? seeing that there's
1: really any rules. I mean the rule is you should you should do it the right way until you're capable of doing it a different way that's better in its own way. Yeah. If
4: you can't do it the traditional way, it's going to be really hard to do it your own way.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
4: The place I bashed earlier, the insulting thing for me there is they serve Stracciatella ice cream, and Stracciatella is sweet ice cream, sweet cream with chocolate. It's not chocolate chip. It's not vanilla. It's sweet cream and chocolate, and it's gelato, and that's a different consistency than ice cream. If you can't do that, when you call it Stracciatella, then I'm offended and I'm annoyed because other people might not know it, but I do, and that's what I expected. Then I'm offended. You know, but if you tell me it's Carnina's in your way, hey, let's see how you want to play Louis Armstrong's jazz. All right, so what else has opened? I have a couple of places
1: in my uh, Royal. Did you have anything else that you, you've you been to that's new and you like?
2: We uh, covered most of them, really. Oriole, Oriole Smith and the Loyalist, and Alchi uh, were kind
1: of my... You're still waiting
2: for most of yours to open? Yeah, and Royster. I'm pretty pretty excited for it. So that. Royal is still
1: living in the future, but uh, what do you got? like Mikey? a lot of the food scene. Um, one of them, Cafe Marie Jeanne. Michael Simmons formerly of Rootstock, long ago of Lula. A lot of similarities to both. It's down on that new, cozily hip corner of California and Augusta, which really is, I mean, I just, I like going down there because it's kind of all new places except Rootstock. And they're all pretty friendly. They're pretty nice. Nothing is, nothing is too hip for me to be allowed in there. And uh, particularly Cafe Marie-Jeanne, it's just really comforting. You know, there's a lot of comfort food out there, which means extra fat and deep fried. This is more just comforting. It's, you know, particularly when I had, you know, borderline pneumonia earlier. You know, I could just go there and have hot lentils and sausage and just kind of sink into it for the afternoon or something. So, I like that place a lot, as you may have guessed. Uh, now, I'll uh, uh, get the, set myself up for a rebuttal from Sarah. Snaggletooth! Snaggletooth! Alright, so you, you make the case against first.
3: I have nothing against restaurant or the fish, which I realize is treated with a lot of respect and also done in a creative way, I have a problem with being served half a bagel. Half a bagel. (laughs) It's the Seinfeld episode. The other half of the bagels. And apparently they put up a sign now in the restaurant.
4: So So for those who aren't familiar.
3: So they serve there. It's a lot of cured fish. Um, they've got lox, they've got the pastrami, salmon or something.
5: Yeah.
3: Lavender cured ones. It's great and it it's very simple. Just, you're going to have cured and smoked fish in a dozen different ways or however you like it.
5: Um,
3: and they serve lox on a bagel. They call it a tartine, uh, which is an open face. Sandwich, toast, fancy toast, whatever you want to call it, and it's when I got it, I believe it was eight dollars, and you get half a bagel with your like beautiful like curls of cured salmon and uh, radish leaves and moving, like
1: sugar beets from. or something else yeah, gorgeous but, like that, and pickled
3: onions, and it it's beautiful but it's half a bagel, and I just wanted the other
1: half. Sarah wants her other half of a bagel, David.
3: I just, it's just so strange, and maybe it's because I'm Jewish and have such a soft spot for a good bagel and lox, and that has, again, we're getting back to the idea of what a food item means. And for me, if I'm ordering bagel lox, it's a sandwich.
4: It's two halves
3: of a bagel. All
4: right, you I think you make a should tar- get the other half. You cannot like...
3: make a tartine on a bagel. Then make it up and put it on bread.
4: So now, what does the sign say? Did we only give you half. Now the it, says, it says
3: tartine. we are not a bagel. We do not want to be known for our bagels. We are not a bagel place. If you would like the other half, you may request it for an additional dollar.
4: So for nine dollars, and would... they do
3: what is
1: it? They griddle the bagels too, don't they?
3: I'm sure but again and they say saying that you're not a bagel place yet serving bagels just serving a product that you're very proud on of, on a product that you're less proud of doesn't make sense. It's like an Italian going to an Italian sub shop and they're going to be really proud of that bread. Like, yeah, they're going to be proud of all the cured meats, but that bread, if that bread's not good, that sandwich is Unless good. Unless
4: they're fighting with their neighbor about the bread and then it's not so good.
3: <laughs> then it slightly less good. Royal
4: said that, not me.
3: Uh, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> why serve a superior? Product
5: on an inferior Heartful, yeah. one, it's yeah. you know, it's well, the
1: weakest well, It's not their bagel, it's New York. But bagel. still, it's confusing. I mean, you go in, it's a little weird. I agree. I, nevertheless, I mean, in, in
4: some ways, it endears it to me more. And if it's a, no, no offense, if it's lox spread and bagel, it yeah. you, can, you can give the other half the bagel. <laughs> that's
3: but
1: all, this that's is, all I'm saying. But this is beautifully. <laughs> Preciously cured artisanal I thought we fish
3: precious, though. I thought that they we were personally that, <laughs>
1: that they personally pluck from Lying the river. caught no. by
4: endangered Eskimos. No. they
1: cure they cure it all beautifully. If the way they serve it bugs you, buy it by the pound. Do it up yourself at home. But, but I, was the salmon good? I, it was alright. Uh, <laughs> now there's there's a problem. If you, if you don't care for it, that's that's a different thing. I just like you know, it's like we never had this till now, and suddenly I'm really glad we have it, and I'd be sad if we didn't have it. So I am I am happy for the existence of Snaggletooth.
3: Unfortunately, I don't think I'm ever going to be allowed back. In there ever <laughs> I have a bigger issue in the name. Maybe, but maybe we could send Kenny G in
1: to
2: get you. <laughs>
0: Thanks to Joe Campagna of Chicago Food Snob, Sarah Freeman of Eater, and Man About Town Royal Lichter for joining me this time, and especially thanks to the Victor Bar 4011 North Damon. Make sure you hear all these Editor Radio podcasts by subscribing to Airwaves Full of Bacon at iTunes or Stitcher. Produced by Michael Gebert for Foodader Radio. Music by Kevin McLeod. Foodader.com.